Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, April 24th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Dan Rubin. That's right. Uh, your normal uh, Tuesday and Thursday host is joining me because we are absolute draft nerds. NFL draft nerds, and we're proud of it. So the draft is three days away. We're going to make predictions on where the Ohio State players are going to go and more. But Dan, I want to start out with, I want to get your thoughts on the C.J. Stroud stuff. I know you've t- you talked about this on Thursday's show. I talked about it on Friday, but this S2 cognitive test is all the rage all of a sudden. Uh, we'll get to later if we were buying if that's a good, one of the good ways to measure a quarterback in a draft class. But I want to ask you, are you buying that C.J. Stroud's actually going to slip in this draft, or do you think this is a classic smokescreen? I do think it's lying season. We know that. We talked about this on the show uh, recently, and that I would not trust anything said in the media. Or even privately, I would uh, take it with a grain of salt. These last two weeks when nothing's going on and there's content to fill, you always get a couple stories like this. Um, CJ's the guy in the crosshairs now. I don't know enough about the C- the, the, this S2 test. To, like we said, we're going to discuss. This is the first year it's really come out. We've always been heard about the Wonderlick test. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have any issue with, with where CJ's going to go. In, in terms of slipping – I mean, I don't see him getting past number four. The real question is, was he ever really in consideration for number one? There are some people who think he was not. So the concept of slipping when you're going to be picked number four and get a signing bonus of over $20 million, um, I think CJ is going to be fine. Sometimes when that happens to you, find the right spot. So I'm not worried for him. And I expected him to get some slander down the stretch. Um, That's always happened with guys like this. Yeah, we even have a commenter on Facebook, Benjamin, saying, uh, you mean C.J. Stroud slander? Yeah, just like what Dan just said. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I think it is. All right. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a smokescreen. I think there's a team that wants C.J. or teams plural, and this is a smokescreen. I could be wrong. The great thing is we're going to find out in three days. All right, let's make predictions. We will okay. start with C.J. Stroud. Dan, where's he going to go? What pick? If I was betting right now, I would say I would say four to the Colts, but I do also think that um, everything like in my geekery of, of following the draft and getting a chance to talk to some NFL people. And of course we mentioned before the show that we got a chance to talk to Dane Brugler, who is really um, from the media side, probably the most informed and, and most plugged in. Nothing would surprise me at this point. Um, he could go number one. It wouldn't surprise me. This is not, no one can tell me, I'll just say this, no one can tell me Bryce Young is a lock number one pick when he's that size. I, I cannot physically believe that. I would. This is just me personally. I don't think I could invest in someone where every single time he got hit, I would be worried about it. Um, even at Ohio State and Alabama, those quarterbacks are more protected and less getting less hits than any other major football team that, that that puts NFL player caliber players on the field. So it's a major shift and you're going to get hit in the NFL. That's not a variable. Um, that's a constant. So the, at, at Alabama, he had full games where he had not take a shot that will never happen again. So I, I couldn't do that. Um, I'm a big fan of CJ Stroud. Obviously I'm biased. Um, but I also think the bias comes from knowledge with some of the Buckeyes. Um, when you're doing this draft geekery stuff, we don't know these guys as well as, you know, 
the people with the boots on the ground, like in Tuscaloosa, et cetera. So you don't know if these guys are going to pan out from a mental side. Um, I have a whole lot of confidence in CJ that he's going to make a tremendous adjustment to the NFL, but I would say four right now, just based on the hullabaloo, but the Texans will be regretting it if they pass him at two. I know that for a fact. Yep, that leads into my prediction. So, yeah, you speaking of Dane Brugler from The Athletic, you, you've you had him on uh, the Bucknuts Morning 5 since the inception of our show 11 years ago, and maybe even going back uh, when we did Front Row Radio, I think maybe you had him on, but um, before he really blew up, and I think he's the best in the business. Yeah. And I'm going to, even if he didn't have it, maybe I'd still make this prediction, but Dane still has CJ going number two. I'm going to agree with Dane. I'm going to say the Texans, this is a, a classic smokescreen. Yep. Texans are hoping, like, I don't know. I don't know why they would need to do it. Maybe they, I don't know. Maybe they're have a sneaking suspicion that maybe the Panthers, it's a smokescreen from the Panthers. The Panthers could take them. I don't know what, why they would even need to smokescreen because the Vegas odds for, uh, for Bryce Young to go number one are like off the charts. Now I'll predict number two for CJ Stroud. He'll go number two overall to the Texans. All right, moving right along. Paris Johnson jr. Where's he going to go, Dan? This is an interesting one. Um, I actually think Paris is going to go number seven to the Raiders. I don't understand why this is my bias is going to start coming through really. Paris Johnson to me, just like I said, I, I would feel uncomfortable in investing someone like Bryce Young. I would invest my family's mortgage in uh, Paris Johnson, not just, not just from a physical side, mm-hmm. but if I was going to invest in a human being professionally for the next 10 years, who I felt like would, um, take to coaching and have the intellect to, you know, progress as a left tackle, but also, you know, a dedication to his profession so that he will be the best he can be. I would invest in, in Paris a million times out of a million. And you just don't get many left tackle prospects this caliber where you can literally plug him in there and say, you know, we'll worry about this again in, in 2033. I'll go nine to the Chicago bears. Again, I'm I hope that happens for Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. This is this is my bias showing. I, maybe I, I I usually don't reveal private um, conversations, but I will mention this. I, I got to know, as people know, I had her on the show several times. Um, Paris Johnson Jr.'s mother, Monica. It's easy to see why Paris is such a great young man because he was raised by Monica, who's a tremendous woman. I I might or might not have texted her a few weeks ago to say, "You looking at houses in Chicago yet?" Um, I think that'd be perfect. The Bears need an offensive tackle. I'm not buying Peter Skronsky being a tackle in the league. He's 6'4", mm-hmm. short arms. That screams guard. I think he'll be a very good guard, but a guard, not a left tackle. Give me Paris Johnson Jr. Protect, protecting Justin Fields' blind side. I'm not a big – I have a second favorite team, Dan. I, I don't like that. I might make an exception if they get Paris Johnson Jr. with the Bears. I'm a Bengals guy all the way, but I might. the Bears might be my second favorite team if they have Fields – and Paris Johnson Jr. So I'm a Bulls fan anyway, so maybe that would be my second favorite team. All right, so I'm going ninth for PJJ. Let's go JSN now. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. The odds have him going as the first receiver off the board. When will he go off the board, Mr. Rubin? I think the the go-to pick here is 12 to the Texans, right? Um, Um, Yep. And I guess that's fair. I, I, I'll tell you what. I will go a pick earlier. I'll Ooh. say he goes 11 to the Titans. Ooh, nice. For another reason, this is going to sound like bias again. This is the one I don't understand the most of, of all the draft stuff that I've seen. I don't understand. I guess the fact that, that Jackson has come back to the pack a little bit and um, they say he's going to be, what, uh, a top 10 pick. Don't forget, when we started this stuff, 
he was, you know, the original draft stuff before he got hurt heading into the season when you got him, he was top five, top eight. And with the value people place on receivers, I also am a little tweaked by the, the uh, people have just accepted this fact that he's only a slot receiver that became the narrative early on. And now it's just accepted gospel. I don't buy that for a second. Um, having been a Cowboys fan, they said the same thing about CD lamb guys like that. You, they can play anywhere, man. That doesn't make any sense to me. So the fact that that got accepted as a narrative, I think early on was silly. Um, did contact someone I really trust on this early on. And I put it in the boarding house cause I've been incredulous about this for a while, but the person I spoke to, um, not only does reviews of Ohio State guys, he offers up scouting reports on some other dudes in the receiver game, and he felt Jackson would go number one, and he will. So I'll go 11, and I'll tell you this. Because we need jerk so quickly uh, for draft, like, you know, during the season, a guy will have a great first week, and they'll be like, oh, what a great draft pick, you know. Jackson is going to be the one that makes everyone look bad because he's going to be, you know, I could see him getting 100 receptions in his, his rookie year. I think he's that ready to go if he gets into the right spot. So you're going to get some knee-jerk negativity on those who pass on Jackson. So I'll go 11, and technically I think he should be a top-10 pick. That's just my opinion. I like it. Um, I will go 12, but, man, you almost talked me into going higher. And here's the thing about Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I don't use this term lightly, especially being a draft nerd. Um, he's bust-proof. Now, if uh, injuries – all bets are off taking that off the table. If he stays relatively healthy, he's bust proof. And again, I don't use that term lightly. I said the same thing about Olave last year, Garrett Wilson. Those, those guys are bust proof. And I feel the same way about Jackson Smith and jig, but he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board. Yeah. Maybe I should go higher than 12. I'll stick with 12. And okay, let me say one more thing about up. Jackson real quick. If you don't mind, yeah, go ahead. We went through this. I don't know if anyone remembers when he was coming out of high school. At the first major camps he would go to, people thought he wasn't playing that hard. And then they realized after a while that he was just the most polished receiver they had ever seen. You can hear Steve Wolfong talk about this ad nauseum. He was so smooth that they real he just wasn't having any wasted motion. He was and listen, when he arrived at Ohio State, we were all excited. It wasn't like you turned on the first game and we're like, oh, my God, look at him jump off the screen. He made that catch in the back of the end zone where he got his foot down. And that was like, we're off and running. He's not a jump off the screen type, but neither was Justin Jefferson. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think if you go back and look at who we were surrounded by, what do people need to see when it comes to Ohio State receivers to not draft them a couple spots higher? Um, is it a comparison to Marvin Harrison Jr. almost hurting him because he came and he was better? I don't know. But like Marvin would be the first non-quarterback picked in this draft. So right. Context is important, and whoever gets Jackson Smith and Jigba, I will make a prediction right here. I'll, he's at least an alternate to the Pro Bowl in his rookie year. All right, this next one's interesting. Dewan Jones, okay, shows up at the Senior Bowl, has a great first day at the Senior Bowl. Everybody's talking about him. And his first day at the Senior Bowl was also his last day at the Senior Bowl. So there's, there's some questions about that, like why did he ghost the Senior Bowl? Um, but I mean, there's no questions about his size. The guy's a mammoth, as we all know. He moves great for that size. All right, where do you think Dewan Jones is going to go? Yeah, he's got a real um, a bigger window than most, I would say. But like you said, I I don't put too much into the Senior Bowl stuff, just like I don't put 
too much into the CJ Stroud didn't go to the Manning passing Academy stuff. Right. These guys are being consulted by agents at this point. No one's making a decision in a vacuum. Um, the fact that that information gets out is more like what Jay was talking about, about smoke screens to me in, in the first place. Uh, I do think Dewan Jones, just because offensive linemen are held at such a premium, I could see him being, you know, I see top 15 picks of the second round somewhere in there. Um, so you're talking, you know, I would say mid forties, early forties. I like that. I was going to say, yeah, I'm going to go early second round. Yeah. There's been some late first round buzz, including to my Bengals at 28, not buying that. It wouldn't shock me. But I will say early second round, just like you did. So we're, we're in agreement on that. By the way, Dan and I are going to come back next Monday, recap the draft and we will, uh, say where, we're, where we were right and where we were wrong. So far, we're pretty damn close in all of our picks. All right, another interesting one. This is a guy that I didn't see. He wasn't really on my radar as a guy that was going to be an early entry, and that's Luke Whipler. I look back at the great centers at Ohio State, just since Charles Bentley, all those guys stayed at least four, and a lot of them stayed five years. You know, Nick Mangold stayed four years, Bentley four years, Billy Price and Elfline five years, um, Corey Lindsley five years, um, Luke Whipler three years. But anyway, it looks like he made the right choice, Dan. Um, where do you think he's going to go? Just a quick aside on uh, Corey Lindsley. We had a funny conversation the other night too with Mr. Bucknuts. Yep. Corey Lindsley was actually going to come work for Mr. Bucknuts on the financial side because he didn't think he was going to get drafted. He really almost didn't even go through with the pro dream. They kind of pushed him into it, and now he makes he's he's made more money than I think any center in the history of. Uh, the world. I'm not even exaggerating. Right. Um, which brings us back to Luke Whipler. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, has two years of eligibility left. Very good player. Um, did really well at the combine from an athletic perspective. And I put that in air quotes because when you see those guys running around out there, the fact that they're all athletes, they look like a running of the bulls. Um, <laughs> smart guy. And I think he actually, excuse me, actually played well against Jalen Carter in the championship game, which helped. Um, he had a few plays where he got, you know, manhandled, but Jalen Carter does that to everybody. And I think that accelerated it. The real question to me is who will go first if you were doing it for the Buckeyes would be Whipler or Zach Harrison if someone falls in love. I would actually probably lean towards Whipler at this point based on what I've seen. Most places have him as a top 100 pick. Um, I could see him being like the first pick of the third round. I've seen that mock somewhere. I would say very late second, early third. Um, and a day one starter to somewhere. Okay, you're going late second, early third. Um, I'll go mid third. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not giving him enough respect. When he first came out, I was like, man, I hope he doesn't slip to the third day and he's not making a mistake. Same. Um, but it sounds like yeah, he sounds like he wants to the third day. So yeah, he did. You're right. He sure did. And that yeah, that tape against Georgia, don't lie, against one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in the country. Um, I'll go mid third. All right. The aforementioned Zach Harrison, very mm. polarizing player, Dan. Um, yeah. I don't, I still don't understand why. Cause the one thing I kept saying about Zach Harrison is like, well, the film's not going to be great, but he's going to go to the combine and put on a show or he'll go to the combine and do nothing. Yeah. I don't understand. Oh, okay. That. Well then, okay. Pro day. He's going to put on a show or he'll do nothing at pro day. I don't, I don't even, I, I didn't hear there was any injury. I could be wrong. Um, I, I had people privately reach out to me like, what the hell is going on with Zach Harrison? I'm like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, where's Zach Harrison going to go? I think it's fair to say Zach's uh, marched to the beat of his own drummer type and um, maybe didn't 
materialize as the dominant prospect we thought. I actually thought when the process started that someone would fall in love with him, but that was based on, like you said, after he went out there and, and ran, you know, the, a 40 where they would line up, you know, they do the 40 uh, hologram thing where they put yeah. guys together. Yeah. He was going to run a time faster than maybe Jackson or someone else. And I thought they'd line him up and someone would fall in love. He did not do that. I could actually see Zach slipping a little bit. Um, he, he is very gifted. I could see end of the third round, early fourth. I know there's some people that mock him as high as the second round. And maybe you know, there, there is a team that's obsessed with traits that would roll the dice that early. I just maybe prior knowledge and bias is working against him here for me. Um, so I would say late third, early fourth. I'll go, I'll go early fourth. Um, I don't even know if I would take him if it was, if, it, if I was drafting, I don't even know if I'd take him early fourth, um, but I'll, that's where I'll predict it. It's just the lack of production. And then I don't, I, I don't know what he, what was going on with him not testing. I don't Does know. he love football? Yeah. I mean, that's not been proven to me over the time here. And that's a very, I don't say that many about Buckeyes who've been in the program that long, but, and he may, and I just could be speaking out of turn and his family will be upset with me, but I don't, I don't see it. So that's just my own personal evaluation. I agree with you. I mean, I've been around Zach a lot during his four years at Ohio state and he's a, he's a good young man. I've interviewed him many times. Um, very good young man, but yeah, I, I get the feeling that he doesn't dislike football, that it's not like a chore for him, but does he love it? And I feel like unless you're just a super, super talented guy, you better love football to make it in the NFL. Oh, it's tough. All right. These, I don't even, these last two guys are even going to get drafted. Let's predict if they will get drafted or if they won't and where they're going to go. All right. Ronnie Hickman and Cam Brown. Let's start with Hickman. You think he'll get drafted and where? Oh, I definitely think Ronnie Hickman's going to get drafted. Um, I will go with the fifth round. Okay. Uh, the fifth round. It's interesting. So, um, like I said, I'm a real draft geek and I'm a Cowboys fan. In my opinion, the best person on the draft is a guy named Brian Broadus, who was a former scout who does a show out of Dallas and in fact gave Dane Brugler a lot of his start because Dane, I don't know if people know this, Dane was actually, he's an Ohio native, but he was in Dallas, Texas for about 10 years and working with Brian Broadus. So he's an actual scout who gets, who gets a lot of people on there who really know their stuff. Hickman in the fifth round is usually for guys who are really good players, but lack one trait. And Ronnie Hickman would be a really good player that just doesn't run fast enough. So I could see him going in the fifth round. Um, I do think the fact that uh, if I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, which is bad, but the guy who played for the Rams and was a seventh round pick and being the Jordan cat Fuller. Jordan Fuller, I think that will help. That's an embarrassing drop, but I do think Ronnie Hickman will be drafted in the fifth round. And I actually kind of like him as a player. And I'll say this about um, one thing I do like about players in general. And this is one thing I'll say for Hickman. I like really talented guys who are going to be asked to do less at the NFL level. Um, you know, guys who are the example I always use for my Cowboys is their defensive lineman, Osa Odigizua with UCLA. He was by far their best defensive lineman. So he was getting double teamed on every play and he was only okay. When he came to the Cowboys, he's their third best lineman. He's never double teamed and he does great. If you try and make him the number one guy, it's not going to happen. I think Ronnie Hickman will be under less pressure in the NFL than he was with the Buckeyes and have maybe a little better corner help around him, let's just say, and maybe won't be asked to make up for some things that he would have been asked to do at Ohio State. And I actually think Ronnie is actually a nice player and, as Brass Tack says, a good special teams guy to start out, smart guy, 
great leadership qualities. Jersey native, which I'm also biased towards. So um, Ronnie Hickman, I say mid to early fifth, early to mid. Okay, I'll go sixth round. I think he's a solid sixth round pick. I think he'll make a roster. Yeah, you, you mentioned Jordan Fuller. I, I don't even know how he fell to the sixth round. Um, and he was very good as a rookie. Uh, very good as a, his final year at Ohio State. Uh, fell to the sixth round. I'll, I think Hickman, a little undersized for an NFL safety. As you said, not that fast, but gritty. Um, he'll hit you. The Rocket Man will hit you. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll be a sixth round pick. And as you guys mentioned, solid special teams guy. And I think he'll make a roster. All right, Cam Brown, does he get drafted, and where, if he does? Um, <clears throat> I guess it's possible that he gets drafted just because teams are so corner needy, and he fills out a lot of traits. He would be probably a seventh-round guy to me, or sixth or seventh-round guy. You really, The idea that you can predict who's going to go in the sixth or seventh round, um, some teams have a – I mean, the boards really diverge at that point. Um He's definitely going to get a chance to play. He'll be a priority free agent. Like he should have his phone on for sure. Come seventh round regardless. Um, but I would say it's kind of 50, 50. I could say, you know, he may get drafted on brand alone. So I will say he goes in the seventh round. I agree with you. I've side jotted down the seventh round as well. I won't, I won't be surprised if he goes undrafted, but as we all know, um, there's really eight rounds in the draft. If you include the compensatory picks, there's 32 compensatory picks. So, um, maybe he'll be a seventh round compensatory pick, but I think maybe he'll go, you know, sometime late in the mid to late seventh round. Um, but it won't shock me if he's a, as you mentioned, a preferred walk or not preferred walk. I preferred. Um, yeah. Every year, if you look at, agent. yeah, if, every year, if you look at the most, uh, the most starts among draft picks, it's usually first round, second round free agents. So it's possible that, you know, he could find the right spot, but like we said, guys like Hickman, are really much more about fit to me than almost, you know, his skills. All right, let's close the show talking about this uh, S2 cognition test that's all the rave, as I was mentioning. I mean, I think The Athletic alone's done like 50 stories on it in the last couple of weeks. I'm barely exaggerating there when I say that. But it's fascinating. Because here's the thing, Dan, a lot of people are like kind of kind of blowing it off and saying, oh, what this is it, this is not a good way to measure quarterbacks. I think it's a part of the puzzle, though, for sure. There's a lot of data I'm not saying this year, because this year I think some of the stuff that's been leaked is bullshit, is, is just, you know, smoke screens. But there's been a lot of stuff that's been leaked that has not been refuted, that guys like Patrick Mahomes tested off the charts on this S2 test. Joe Burrow tested off the charts. Josh Allen, guys like this, Jalen Hurts, dudes that are good at football, okay, just uh, Justin Herbert, on and on and on. And some of the guys that didn't test well, it's being like Kyler Murray didn't test well, guys like that. So what do you make of this? Do you feel like it's – one of the important ways to measure a quarterback or not? Like I said, when we started the show, I'm not, and I don't know how we, any of us could be super familiar with the test. I've never seen the questions. I don't have any idea about it. I mean, I think you've got to take the word of these scouts that it obviously has some value. Otherwise it would not have gotten to this level. The only statistic I ever have seen work with quarterbacks as a routine is the 30, 30, where it's like 30 starts and, uh, over X number of years. Um, yeah, I don't make too much of this. One thing you did not throw in there was that uh, Will Levis did very well on this test. So I, I have something I call the eye test, and I watch Will Levis play football. And I don't care what he's processing. He's not good at it. Right. And so the fact that CJ didn't do well on it, I watched him process a thousand times better than a guy who eats bananas with the skins on. Um, I'm out 
on the test. So either the test is reported incorrectly or it doesn't matter enough to me. This doesn't make you've seen CJ play enough to know that that doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? I kind of feel like I'm not, I don't want to get too deep on this. I kind of feel like the same stuff was said about Justin Fields. Um, I'm still on well, though. Fields tested really well. That's I know, a, but I, his I, ability I, to read the field and all this oh, other yeah. crap they said about him, like cognitive, like he does, he's too slow in the pocket, this kind of stuff. And right. then you know, I just don't buy that stuff. Um, I think some, like, for example, I'm amazed at the amount of, if you were to ask the average fan, they think Justin Fields like ran the, I was, you know, Jamil Holloway at uh, Ohio State. That's oh, just so back. inaccurate. It's not even an accurate representation of what happened. Don't you remember senior year? We used to see his last year at Ohio State. People were complaining he didn't run enough, but he couldn't run because the backup situation was was tweaked. So, and then he he was forty one touchdowns and three interceptions as a junior, and he's a running quarterback. He ran at Chicago because their line stunk and their receivers couldn't start at Northmont. So, <laughs> it, some of it is just perception and the media running with it. And this is one bias that everyone says and is true. A story about C.J. Stroud doing poor in this test is going to do better than someone who doesn't have the brand of Ohio State with it. Everyone knows we are easily tweaked, okay? Don't think the media doesn't know this. The easiest way to get yourself page views is write about the Cowboys quarterback or take a shot at someone on the Buckeyes. So the athletic is well-versed in how to generate page views. God bless them. But uh, all that said, if C.J. Stroud, if the Cowboys could get him, I would trade Dak Prescott and uh, – probably something else juicy for him. So that's my two cents there. Yeah, I would, I, I would too, if I was in your shoes. Now I'm not trading my quarterback. No, I, no. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with Joe Burr, but. Who would uh, you trade Joe Burrow for straight up? Nobody. I'm in serious. the NFL. Maybe Mahomes would be the only one, but I'd have to think about it. Cause Burrow's younger. Mahomes has been like, now he's been banged up a little bit. Well, Burrow's had, had a knee injury. Maybe Mahomes would be the only one. Seriously. Not bad. Mahomes is still young. I mean. Yeah, I think that'd be the only one. I love and what Burrow's done for the Bengals. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, they were a last. I'm not going to say we predicted it, but I remember conversations we had. Like, you want to talk about someone who can go there and is more confident than he was so confident that like you can see interviews with Joe when he was in high school that he was borderline kind of a not great dude. It didn't seem like you know he was that confident. I saw a couple of interviews where like a high school reporter threw him a softball and he deadpanned the answer. And the high school reporter was kind of like flummoxed. So that kind of confidence is special, man. Special. Yeah. I, I, you know, after when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl um, the previous year um, leading up to that, I went and posted all the YouTube videos that I did during Burrow's three years at Ohio state. And you had to be, you're right. You had to be on your toes when you interviewed Burrow. You mm-hmm. said something that was like, you know, a bad question. He, he wasn't just going to like blow it off. He was going to be like, what? What are you talking about? You know, but he would always, if you asked him good questions, he would always give insightful answers. Um, but yeah, he was a linebackers he playing coach. around. He wasn't Son of a around. linbackers coach. Right. Yeah, his, exactly. And his brothers were linebackers at Nebraska. Like he comes for. Yeah. And they say like that. You talk to the Bengals coaches. They'll say like, we have to tell him like, dude, you're not a linebacker. Like I, <laughs> he think he thinks of himself as like a linebacker playing quarterback. I love him. But anyway, we got fun of Joe Burrow love tangent there, which I don't mind doing. Great stuff out of Dan Rubin. I appreciate you joining me, man. Hey, it was great. This is a much easier spot, even though I did interrupt you several times, and people are probably going to complain about that. We are just geeked about the draft, and not to jump ahead, but we will have tremendous draft coverage as well. 24-7 has really picked it up on that side, so 
we will be all over it. And then uh, we'll definitely be checking in afterwards and uh, give you as much coverage on that as we possibly can. We'll be talking about it all week here on the Buckminster Morning Five as well. That's right. Dan will be with you guys tomorrow. I'll be Wednesday, Dan Thursday. I'll be back Friday with Jay Book, back to our usual schedule. And Dan's going to join me next Monday to see what we got right, what we got wrong, and just recap the draft. Thanks to Dan Rubin. Thanks to all of you. We appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Bye.